from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Covering the sports betting landscape from coast to coast, this is Betting Across America on VSEN, the sports betting network. It's a great day to be alive, and it's a great day to be a better. Welcome inside the VEASAN studios here at the South Point Hotel and Casino. Femi Abebefe alongside Amal Shah. It is Betting Across America presented by BetMGM. Make sure to tweet at the show. We want to hear from you guys over the next three hours as it is at VEASAN Live, at Amal Shah 1, and at Femi Abebefe. Coming up on the show, we got five great guests. Count them five, starting with Eric Haslam, college basketball handicapper of HaslamMetrics.com. Joins the show at 9.45, breaking down today's college hoops card. Ben Fox, VSIN's VP of Digital Content, joins in one hour to talk the state of New York. They have launched mobile sports betting this morning. He will discuss that in just a bit. Austin Mock, NFL betting writer for The Athletic, joins us at 10.30. Then you have Heidi Fang, host of Vegas Nation Podcast and Raider Nation Radio, talking, you guessed it, Chargers Raiders. That will likely be a win-or-go-home game on Sunday Night Football tomorrow night. Dave Ross then concludes the show with us. At 11.45, he's the VEASAN host and host of the First Strike Podcast as we toss the baton over to the Ross Reynolds Connection here on BAA. Picks 11.30, NFL win total implications at 11, CFP national title trends and breakdown in 15 minutes. But first, Amal Shah. If, you, if I'd known you were going to have man. so many guests, I wouldn't have shown up today. <laughs> well, that's, that's, Jesus why, that's why we brought you in. We know I, that, I don't ever need anybody to talk for me. Trust me. Amal is one of the most <laughs> friendly people that we have here at VEASAN, so we wanted to load up the card here for guests. And we always know that you like to talk to more people, so here we go. I, I'll let you handle all of it. I'll just watch these games. I mean, are you kidding me? We got five people on a Saturday. We got, what, 12 segments? Holy cow. What's the matter? Two other people were deaf? Oh my God. Here we go. It's been a while since we've had you on Betting Across America, Mall here. I mean, that's. Well, you know, I'm fired up to be here since it's yeah. the first weekend of college conference weekend. You're down But right I'm, it I'm is. right here for three hours. Let's go. <laughs> well, let's go indeed. And we'll start off with the National Football League uh, in the NFL. We had a doubleheader, week 18 doubleheader, the first time they've done that in the final week of the season. And the games kick off 1 30 Pacific time, 4 30 over on the East Coast. Kansas City taking on the Denver Broncos in the Mile High City. Right now, the Chiefs 10 and a half point favorites with a total of 44 and a half a mile. And if Kansas City is able to win this game and the Tennessee loses, they would be the one seed. But right now, Kansas City looks like they're in line for that two seed in the AFC playoffs. It's a perfect scenario for the Chiefs in terms of being able to play on a Saturday. You put immense pressure on Tennessee, you win this game. You know, if you're scoreboard watching on a Sunday and if you see Tennessee pulls out in front, especially from a betting perspective, it affects us because KC could sit there and say, hey, look, Tennessee's up 17-0 on Houston. They're not going to be able to come back. We're going to start pulling Mahomes and these other guys. 
But on the off chance that Tennessee does lose to Houston, you want to get that one seed. The biggest thing is not just the home field advantage to me. I think it's the fact that you don't have to play that additional third game to get to the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. I actually think the NFL, I mean, they want to put everybody in the playoffs anyway to generate more money. Put eight teams in there because I don't think in sports – a team should have to play fewer games. Like I get in the NBA and the NHL and MLB, it's how many games you win, but it's still the same number of series, best of seven, right? Yep. I don't think a team should have an unfair advantage of having to play one less game. We see how teams are impacted off of a bye week. It's such an advantage, usually speaking. And Andy Reid's record off of byes is absolutely second Steve. to none. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, no, I think that's an interesting point that you bring up with the number one seed, and it will be kind of the discussion once we get into the futures market about how that is such a big advantage to get that free playoff victory, essentially, in that opening round here. Uh, important note for Denver, because they got a, quite a bit of injuries and quite a bit of guys who have been ruled out in this game. Teddy Bridgewater is out with the concussion, so he misses the final three games of the season for Denver, who's already eliminated. Important to point that out. Dalton Risner, their guard, has been ruled out. Their two cornerbacks, though, Patrick Sertan II and Ron Ronald Darby have been ruled out due to injuries. Kareem Hunt, their safety, also ruled out here. So now you have this Broncos defense that's really good, and the strength of their defense has been that secondary, but they're going to be shorthanded against the Chiefs offense that's looking to stay in rhythm heading into the postseason. Look, if I were playing for the Broncos today, I would have told them I was in a fake car accident on the way to work because I don't want to play in a game where I've got a chance of getting injured. You're going into the offseason. Nobody wants to rehab of an injury. You have nothing to play for. And I know I understand you, you want to give an effort, but so many teams don't. You see so many guys in, on defense making business decisions. That's why, Femi, if you look at so many of these games, you see blowouts in situations. You know, Let's say, for example, you're Patrick Sertan. Now, they don't have somebody on. It's rare that uh, you look at a roster and it's not littered with Alex. Alabama studs, mm -hmm. but when you look at Kansas City offensively, there's not really an Alabama guy out there, but if you're Sertan you were going up against say Jalen Waddle, he had a bonus in his clause in his contract. Hey, I make three catches, I get an extra you know, 100000 Trust me, he's making those three catches on you. Yep. And, and my, my point being is, if you're Denver, this is one of those games you're like, you're just going through the motions. You're, you're trying not to lose by 50, but I think the Chiefs roll in this game today. Yeah, the Chiefs 8-8 eight eight against the spread, 9-7 and seven to the over, while Denver is 7-9 ATS. 4-12 and 12 to the over. So 12-4 and four to the under are the Denver Broncos. Chiefs, though, they have some injuries of their own. No Clyde Edwards-Alaire. He's been ruled out of this game with a shoulder injury. They'll try to get him healthy for the playoffs. Lucas Niang, their offensive tackle, has been ruled out. And it sounds like he might be out heading into the playoffs as well. I believe it was a patellar tendon injury. So not good there for the Chiefs' offensive line. We saw how that kind of derailed their Super Bowl run last year. They got to the big game, but definitely got taken advantage of by that Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense. So Kansas City a little banged up on that offensive line something to look at going forward here as we enter the postseason the nightcap game here at mall is the dallas cowboys against the philadelphia eagles in the city of brotherly love cowboys four point favorites total of 44 and a half here and this is a fascinating game just from the standpoint of who the heck is playing and how long are they playing the cowboys have injuries the eagles have some COVID issues would you ever enter a market like this pre-game I would not. I, I think this is a tough game to bet. You've got two teams that have absolutely nothing to play for. Really, I mean, technically, Dallas could emerge as a two-seed, but you need Tampa to win, then you need the Rams to lose, and Dallas got to win. I just think they're realistic in these approaches. So many of these teams, they understand the situation and scenario, and I think that's the exact case here with the Dallas Cowboys. I, I, to me, Femi, if you're in this situation, you're going to have a tough opponent next week, whether it's Arizona, San Francisco, 
Um, I would be looking at it from a standpoint of, hey, let's rest as many guys as we possibly can. Mm -hmm. No reason to take any chances whatsoever. Uh, can you imagine if you had a Dak Prescott, Ezekiel Elliott, Amari Cooper injury? You're already dealing with Michael Gallup being out for the, the year. The Cowboys can't imagine the Dak Prescott injury. It was all of last season. Well, no, but I'm saying in this, <laughs> situation, this situation where the game yeah. doesn't mean anything. Yeah, no, I mean, definitely. so, you know, a different story there. Yeah, no, the Cowboys at BetMGM are four-point favorites. Consensus line was four and a half, but they are four-point favorites at BetMGM. It's interesting, though, how this Eagles team and almost feels like they're getting, I don't know if it's a pass or they're kind of taking advantage of the situation, but when they had so many of their guys end up on the reserve COVID list earlier this week, that allowed them to activate more guys from the practice squad, which then theoretically says that they might be able to rest more of their starters versus the normal team because a lot of the discussion in week 18 is, all right, rest all the starters. Well, you don't have enough bodies to do that in the NFL. You only have 46 guys on the active roster on game day, so somebody has to play. But in the Eagles situation, because some of those guys are on the COVID list, they can now bring up some of those other guys from the practice squad and maybe sneak in, maybe rest like five additional starters, which they might not have been able to do to begin with. Yeah, I, I think this actually benefits them. Obviously, you don't want to see anybody get sick or have yes, any that's, that's the obvious caveat, yeah. But still, I mean, to me, uh, it's a scenario where I think it's a benefit to them. You know, you want to be rested going into the postseason. Yeah, I think with that in mind, as betters, we have to keep – because a lot of the folks are looking at Dallas's COVID issues and how the Cowboys might play this game. But I think the Eagles might have just as much incentive to rest their guys as well on the other end. So we'll see how this game unfolds here. In terms of a live betting standpoint here, Amal, is it something that you look to see maybe a couple series, let's say Dallas kind of gets out, they put up 10 points, offense looks good, and then you start to hear the reports of, all right, they're going to sit down Dak Prescott. Do you then maybe go and live bet Philadelphia, knowing that even if the Eagles were to sit Jalen Hurts, they could still go to a guy like Gardner Minshew who has quite a bit of experience? Yeah, absolutely, and I'll tell you what, it's going to be hard to time it up, but I really don't believe Dak's going to play a ton. I think we'll see a lot of Cooper Rush in this game. Uh, it just benefits Dallas uh, keeping Prescott healthy. What, what do you? What are we looking to do here? If I'm Dallas, I'm literally running fullback dive every play. Yeah, I mean, to me, you don't want to get guys hurt. I think that's the most important thing. And you know, I understand that things can happen, but still, you want to be as cautious as possible because you got a three, four game season left to go that could change everything. We're going to talk more futures market here later on in the show, but. Just wanted to ask you about the Dallas Cowboys. At BetMGM, they're 12-1 to 1 to win the Super Bowl uh, among the contenders to win the NFC. What do you think about this Dallas team heading into the playoffs? They got a little shaken up I, last week against the I, Cardinals. I don't. They're not going anywhere. They're, they're going to be lucky if they get out of their first-round game. If they play San Francisco or Arizona, those are both live dogs. Arizona went in there, dominated that game against them. This Dallas team, look, here's the reality of it. In the NFL, you got too many teams that don't have quarterbacks. And to me, Dak Prescott's never going to be a guy that's going to win you a Super Bowl or anything unless you've got immense talent around him. And they do have that. But the problem is the running game has, has been non-existent at times this year. Mm -hmm. You have Gallup injured. He lacks consistency when the chips are down. Four of the last five games, he's thrown for under 250 yards. Hell, you throw the ball up for grabs, you're going to get a P.I. or you're going to get a catch in today's NFL. It, it's amazing to me um, just how inconsistent he can be at times. They're usually speaking to me, a lot of these guys, when you see them as a third round pick, it's the problem is they lack consistency. And that's exactly mm -hmm. what Dak was in Stark Vegas.
He lacked accuracy in terms of his passes. That hasn't changed. I know Dallas paid him a plethora of money, but there's a reason why Jerry waited, in essence, before they decided to pay him. They're like, all right, we don't have too many other options. Let's just go with it. Yeah, no, this Dallas team, they're going to get the home game. Like you said, it's going to be likely against one of those NFC West teams uh, if they're the four seed. Now, things can shake up to where they go up to maybe three or two if they win the game tonight against the Philadelphia Eagles, but likely going to be in that four spot going up against either the Rams or the Arizona Cardinals, and I think that's a situation that it could be proved to be tricky, as we saw just a week ago, six-and-a-half-point favorites at home against the Cardinals, and they lose the game outright. So uh, an interesting team to look at here in this Super Bowl futures market. But the Eagles, they're a long shot, 66-1. to one. I mean, I think they're just probably happy to just make the postseason, uh, just at my glance, at least. <laughs> I, I would agree with you, but I'll tell you what, it bodes well for Philadelphia. And I'll tell you, I was wrong about Jalen Hurts. He has been far better than I thought. He's I, a good quarterback. Well, I like Minshew. I've always liked Minshew, a quarterback, going back to his days at ECU. I thought he could really play. But to me, I, I think this bodes well in a division where, you know, Dallas has got so many guys financially off on the offense that are top heavy. They're going to have to restructure Zeke's contract. They're going to have to cut him. So Philadelphia's going to have an opportunity to make some noise next year for sure. Offensive line and defensive line are certainly strong for the Philadelphia Eagles, and they run the ball as good as anybody in the NFL. All right, that's the first segment. We're just rolling along here on Betting Across America. On the other side, college football, national title game, Georgia-Bama, our thoughts here on VCNV Sports Betting Network. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This is Betting Across America on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. VSIN has a great new offer to help make this your best betting year ever. Our all new Big Game Big Dance Special provides VSIN Plus all access to everything we do now from April 5th for only $69. Sign up now and get our daily best bet emails, 24-7 video access, the upcoming big game and college hoops betting guides, plus full access to vsin.com with our exclusive betting splits breakdowns on every game. It's one of the most exciting betting seasons of the year, so don't miss out on one of our best deals of the year. Visit vsin.com slash big deal to sign up today. That gets you from now through April 5th, folks. So get on it. This is Betting Across America presented by 
BetMGM. Femi Abebefe alongside Amal Shah here coming to you from the VEASAN studios at the South Point Hotel and Casino. And Amal, I know the game that you were absolutely fired up for. It felt like on Point Spread Saturday all year long, we were just leading up to this whole discussion. Alabama, Georgia, college football national title game. Monday night, the Bulldogs, two and a half point favorites at BetMGM, total of 52 of them all. And this is a market that's bounced back and forth between three and two and a half. Where do you weigh in on this line movement we've seen here in this national title game? Well, I think it's correct in the sense that the line move, opened at a pick and has gone to now Georgia two and a half, potentially three. Look, I think Georgia's going to bounce back and win this game. It's a revenge spot for them. I need Alabama to win the game, but I'm going to hedge off on Georgia simply because I think it's so hard to beat a team of this caliber two two times in a row. And also, remember one thing. Uh, they had Mechie in that game. Mechie had almost 100 yards receiving, made a huge difference. We saw Jameson Williams get off to a fast start in this game. It'll be interesting to see if they can do that. They were trailing 10-0. Uh, Georgia dominated the first uh, quarter with time of possession and score. Mm-hmm. Alabama hits the big play, and then they get things rolling from there. But I think you're going to see Georgia come out fast. And this defense, to me, is very impressive. They had, you know, look, the reality is, they have played so far this year 56 quarters. They've had two bad quarters, the second and the third quarter against Alabama. Yep. Out of that, 54 quarters, their defense has been thoroughly dominant. And I think they conclude the season with that. And, you know, the other thing is Alabama's been in their ninth national title game in 13 years under Saban. I think you'll see a more Georgia crowd from a fan base perspective because you're going up to Indianapolis, right? I mean, talking to people that I know that are associated with Alabama, it's like, it gets expensive after a while to travel all the time. <laughs> what, and, a, what, what, a, what a struggle. It well, it, I mean, <laughs> I mean, reality is, I mean, think about this. If you went to one of these stupid bowl games and then all of a sudden, like, the game in San Diego is canceled due to COVID. Yeah, it's unfortunate. That's why you don't go to bowl games. But that's just me. I mean, the reality of it is, Georgia, I, this, is the, this is a program-defining game. This is the biggest game. It's rare you could say this about a program. This is the biggest, biggest game in Georgia football history. Yeah, I think that's it's, it's bigger. It's bigger than when they won the national title in 80 um, with Dooley. I, I mean, Buck Ballou and, of course, Herschel Walker. But to me, a couple of years ago, they didn't get over the top. They had an opportunity in Atlanta at that point in time. That was the biggest game. They lose the SEC title game. This is a program-defining game. And so many of these recruits come down to Georgia, Alabama, and Clemson. Are you going to really sit there and say, I want to go to a program that's going to continuously lose to Nick Saban? No, this is an opportunity to change. the. This could change the entire landscape in the SEC because the SEC East is far weaker than the SEC West. Yeah, I think this is a, it's a massive game, and it's no hyperbole what you're saying, though this is the biggest game in Georgia football history here. It's just interesting to me that you mentioned that we saw Alabama win the game 41-24 to in Atlanta for the SEC title. And what we saw the market do in that game, it was Georgia 6.5. And, and now you see this line is Georgia 2.5. And, and that game, like you mentioned, was played a month ago. Like, we haven't had that much. There's only been one game played in between that. Alabama beat Cincinnati and Georgia beat Michigan. And I would say Georgia looked more impressive against Michigan than Alabama did against Cincinnati. And you're seeing this line, and I get it. You have to factor in the actual result that we saw on the field. But prior to the SEC title game, everybody who had an opinion on this game had a chance to weigh in, and the line closed six and a half. Now that it's down to two and a half, I don't even I don't see how you can bet Alabama in this spot. I know Saban's getting points. He's amazing as an underdog, has covered six straight, and has won five of the last six straight up. However, how can you bet Alabama at this price knowing that a month ago, you were getting four extra points of value. Like, this to me doesn't compute, at least in my opinion, especially with the injury to John Mechie. 
Yeah, I, I would agree with everything you just said there. The one thing I would point out that I think got completely overlooked coming into this matchup was Bryce Young's ability to throw the ball. I think he's one of the he's going to go down. I think he's got a great chance to go back to back on the Heisman and ma- match Archie Griffin. Um, I think that's the difference. But I also think Alabama is weaker defensively than people realize. They did a tremendous job against Cincinnati, batted down about four balls against Desmond Ritter. You know, we talk about players opting out. Desmond Ritter should have opted out. I mean, it made him look like a guy that couldn't play at the next level to me. How many passes are you going to have knocked down? It looked like Kessler in there for Auburn blocking shots left and right. Uh, You know, to me, I think if Stetson Bennett plays the way he did against Michigan, they win the game. If he plays the way he did against Alabama the first time, they lose the game. Yeah, no, I just, uh, it, to me, it feels like, and it's crazy to say this because we're looking at the stats right now. Of course, Bryce Young, the Heisman Trophy winner, much better quarterback than Stetson Bennett, who will be behind center for the Georgia Bulldogs. But it's a national title game. You want to have respect for the market. And this is the sharpest line of the year because it's the national title game. However, with that said, it feels like a big overreaction to what we saw a month ago. And Saban, of course, should be getting the credit that he deserves because he's won just 100 national titles, that's obviously an exaggeration, but he's he's won and delivered at this level. Kirby Smart and that Georgia team has not. But the fact that you see this line swing so heavily in favor of Alabama, and when it hit three, to me, that was the indicator of, like, I think Georgia is the right side in this game here. Well, just to see this line, I can't get past the four-point adjustment after only one data point being in between the last time we saw these two teams play. Well, also, don't forget, though, the SEC title game as well, right? I mean, so taking that into consideration. But I'm with you on this one. I think Georgia's going to win this game. Their defense is elite. Now, I never bought into people saying it was better than 2011 Alabama. Uh, I mean, hell, they didn't let LSU cross the midfield stripe in that second game. And even the first time around, they only gave up two field, uh, three field goals in that one. So mm-hmm. when you look at this team, I, I think they're a terrific team, uh, Georgia, defensively. They're great at every level. Their weakness is in the secondary. And I thought Cincinnati put a good blueprint together how to negate Jamison Williams. I don't think Georgia, excuse me, Alabama will be able to run the ball as effectively on Georgia as they did against Cincinnati. Because Cincinnati was just smaller on the defensive front compared to what you're going to see with Jordan Davis in that rest of that front four. So it'll be a real challenge for the Crimson Tide here. Yeah, I think this is just uh, it's an interesting game. The total in this game is also interesting to me sitting at 52 and the closing total in the game that we saw in the SEC title game was 49 and a half hanging around that area. It almost feels like there's value on the under as well here tomorrow. I don't know what your thoughts are on the total because Mechie is out. So now Georgia can really put all their eggs in the Jamison Williams basket. Now Alabama has other capable receivers because they recruit at the highest levels. However, guys that they depend upon, they're down to just James, Jameson Williams. So almost like how do you see this game being a higher scoring game? I get that they scored 41 points the previous time, but three-point adjustment from the total as well seems like a little bit of an overreaction to what we saw in Atlanta in the SEC title game. I, I, I thought the first time around, I thought the total was off by 10 points. I said the total should have been 60. Really? Yeah, okay, yeah so, so. I said that all week. On there on this show, I gave that play on an over. I, I said they're underestimating how good Bryce Young is. If you give him time, there's not a defense in America he can't surgically pick apart. The problem this time around is without Mechie, you've got to rely on Slade Bolden, uh, Jalal Billingsley stepping up. If these guys can step up, JoJo Earl, the young kid, let's see how impactful they can be. I think it makes it much tougher. Smith is healthy. He can be effective for Georgia in that secondary. Remember, the, uh, he comes over from West Virginia, was an All-American with that defense with the Mountaineers last year. 
Um, I think this number now is a little bit more accurate, but I'm with you. I still, I, you're saying you'd play the under here, or you'd look I, I the think, under? I think I would play the under, just because I mean I think Georgia's going to win the game, and I think it's going to be because they slowed down this Alabama offense that the passing attack didn't look that great against Cincinnati without John Mechie, and I think that we see Georgia capitalize on that because we know Alabama's not going to be able to run the football on them. Well, I, I don't. No, no, no. I don't agree with the statement that they won't be able to run the ball on them. They ran you the think ball. They will be. They ran the ball for better than four yards a clip, and Robinson wasn't even healthy the first time around. Trey Sanders was in a car accident. He's not 100% healthy. They were able to move the ball effectively, but I think Georgia will sure that up this time. They'll be a little bit better on that. But it, it'd be interesting to see how they perform on the ground. Look, Bama's on that left side. You run behind Evan Neal, you're going to be successful running the football. I mean, this guy's going to be a top five pick. He's an absolute road grader. The key for them is can they protect Bryce Young enough if they bring pressure? And I thought Cincinnati brought pressure and put uh, a Young in some tough spots, and that's why you saw some errant throws from him. You mentioned how you have an Alabama plus 650 ticket to win the national title. I have a Georgia 10-1 to 1 ticket from prior to the season here. For the folks who might have positions on futures in this game, would you recommend a hedging, or how would they go about doing that to where they can kind of secure a profit on Monday night? Well, see, look, first of all, it depends on your purpose in doing this. If you're there, for me, it's strictly about profitability. I don't care if I'm right or wrong. I'm just there to make a profit. Yep. And to me, I would hedge all day. If you've got anything better than two to one anywhere, I would hedge. You know, I just took a shot with Alabama because I had said all week, I said, the game's going to fly over the total. I said, let me take a shot here at six and a half to one. I, don't, I didn't believe they were going to win the game, but I said it's worth it just simply because I think they could potentially pull off an upset, and they did. It's, so it comes down to, did you put enough money where it's, where it's going to hurt you if you don't take the other side? I, it really comes down to how you view it. Uh, you know, I, I can't really speak to it for individuals, but if it were me and I'm in that situation, which I am, I'm 100% going to hedge. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense there to lock in the profit, and sometimes it's you, you might miss out on the big, big score, but also just, just no stress and kick your feet up and, well, you never and go you just enjoy the game. Well, you never go broke taking a profit. That That is indeed a fact right there. Never go broke taking a profit. On the other side, we'll discuss props in this national title game. It's Betting Across America here, presented by BetMGM. If you missed any part of our show or anything on the VEASAN schedule today, don't forget to check out our free sports betting podcast. Catch replays of all our shows or download and listen on your schedule. Go to VEASAN.com slash podcast and get Beating the Book with Gil Alexander or Market Insights with Josh Applebaum. Plus, we've got Hardwood Handicappers, the Lombardi Line, Follow the Money, Coast to Coast Hoops, and many more. They're all free and available now at VEASAN.com slash podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. It is Betting Across America, presented by BetMGM. Femi Abebefe, Amal Shah, coming to you from the VEASAN studios here at the South Point Hotel and Casino. We got two NFL games going on today. Cowboys, Eagles, the nightcap, Broncos, Chiefs coming up later this afternoon. But we're discussing all things college football playoff national title game. Georgia, Alabama, we gave our thoughts on the side and the total in the previous segment. Now we want to 
give you guys a little bit of trends, some trends that you might consider before making a bet on these games. So a little what's trending condensed version. The underdog Amal is 7-1 ATS in the last eight meetings between Alabama and Georgia. That, of course, would go towards the Alabama Crimson Tide if you like them. Also, the Bulldogs 0-4 ATS in their last four games following an ATS victory. Anything to read into that, Amal, as we uh, look for any sort of edge in a sharp market that is the national title market? I'm, I'm not a trends guy, so for me, it, it doesn't matter. I mean, m many of these games, the majority of these games, remember, were played when Mark Rick was the coach. Yeah. So, you know, uh, four of those games, I think Kirby's 0-4 against uh, Nick Saban. So I, I don't put much stock on it. Different team, different scenarios. You know, the one thing with Georgia is, and there's a couple other programs that have had this problem for a long time, Ohio State and LSU. You know, Michigan's always had quarterbacks. You go back to the late 80s, 90s, Jim Harbaugh going back into Elvis Gerbach, moving on to uh, Drew Henson, Tom Brady, all these guys played in the NFL, Chad Henney. But Georgia, it's amazing to me that they've had guys like Jake from State From and, uh, of <laughs> course, uh, Stetson Bennett. There's, you, you know, two guys – that, that led Clemson to national titles are both from the state of Georgia. Trevor Lawrence and Deshaun Watson. Yeah. And by the way, oh, you had Justin Fields. I forgot about him, too. <laughs> I mean, it's like, come on, Kirby. You can't get a quarterback. This team is so talented. You know, people forget there, there's four teams that produce pros more than anybody, and then there's a wide margin. Georgia, uh, Georgia, excuse me, not Clemson, Georgia, LSU, Alabama, and Ohio State. Yep. And then everybody else has a precipitous drop-off. And if this team had somebody who was a little bit more athletic, more mobility, I'll tell you one thing, though. Bennett is faster and quicker than people realize. Yeah, he ran away from Aiden Hutchinson in the semifinal game. You mean captain overrated? Somehow he finishes second <laughs> in the uh, Heisman Trophy when Will Anderson has dominated everything statistically. I, if I were Alabama, I would have written a letter. I'm serious. If, I, if, I'm, if I'm Greg Byrne, the AD at Alabama, I write a letter to every one of these committees and say, listen, you are, we are declining every one of your dumb awards from now on. Will Anderson, reality, should have been the Heisman Trophy winner. He's a better player than Aiden He's Hutchinson. had the best defensive player. He's had the best defensive season of any player since Derek Thomas. I mean, the season he had 32 tackles for loss. <laughs> that's insane. That, that's ridiculous. <laughs> and to me, it, it's just a scenario where I look at this team and say, hey, give them some respect from that st standpoint. And by the way, I didn't even know if uh, Ajabo and Hutchinson played in that game against Georgia. I might have missed that. They were on the injury report. I couldn't tell. But I did see Hutchinson getting put on the turf <laughs> in one play on, on social media, at least. Forget that. Go look at the play where Pickens <laughs> levels the Michigan cornerback on a running play. I did play. see that. That was unbelievable. That was greatness. Yeah, apparently, he has a habit of doing that. Somebody had like a montage of him just destroying defensive backs. I had never noticed it because obviously we noticed his receiving prowess, but apparently he's a violent. Violent run blocker. <laughs> well, that tells me then the guys who he's facing off against are not watching tape because yeah. it, you would know that right away and you'd be ready to go. Yeah, no, he's a, he's a great player. It's good to see that he is back on the field after missing the majority of this season. Another trend here we want to get to, will the game go over? The over is 10-0 in the last 10 times Alabama wow. has faced a defense allowing less than 17.5 points per game. It hit in the SEC title game at Mall, and you think that it might have a little bit of chance to hit on Monday night. Uh, yeah, I, I think the Alabama offense is so tough to slow down. You know, um, I was on with Rick Neuheisel yesterday, and he was talking about, he goes, look, if Bama gets to 35, they're winning the game. I said, I agree. I think they wind up somewhere between 24 and 31, but I think Georgia's going to be able to move the ball on them. They didn't have much difficulty. McConkie, we saw that on the inside screen scored. Bowers is tremendous. You know, a guy that's forgotten on this Georgia offense is Big Washington. Dude, he is like, like an action figure. Yeah, he, he <laughs> is a monster. That's a great statement you made there. Yeah, it's exactly right. I mean, he is an absolute monster in there. So we'll, we'll see what happens in this one. But 
I think the key for Alabama is going to be who's going to step up as that secondary receiver. That's what's going to be so critical because people forget Mechie almost had 100 yards receiving that game against Georgia. Yeah, no, Mechie was a big, big loss for this Alabama Crimson Tide offense now that he will not be playing with the torn ACL. So it's all going to be on Jamison Williams to carry that passing game. But they got some other guys who can do some damage as well for Alabama. Let's look at the rushing yards prop market here, Amal, because we talked about Georgia if they can slow down this Alabama rushing attack, you brought up the point that Bama still went over 100 yards on this vaunted front seven of the Georgia Bulldogs. Well, the Russian prop for Brian Robinson, this, of course, you can find at vcin.com. Brian Robinson's prop, 64 and a half rushing yards. And he was, I think, in the 40s or so in the SEC title game. Didn't get much usage there. But 64 and a half seems rather high here, Amal. Uh, I disagree. Robinson was injured. Remember, he was dealing. Remember, he missed the second half of that game against Auburn. That's why they were running Trey Sanders. Uh, I, I think Robinson's going to have a big day. If they're going to have any chance to win this game, I think Robinson's got to play particularly well, and I think he'll have an opportunity to do so. Uh, I like that one over 64 and a half. So you like over 64 and yeah. a half for Brian Robinson. How about for the Zamir White for Georgia? James Cook also for Georgia. Zamir White now 46 and a half rushing yards. James Cook. 42 and a half rushing yards. What say you? I, I like White over. I like Cook under, even though I think Cook is a better running back. For some reason, Georgia just doesn't give Cook enough carries. They do like to use him in the passing game. I think he's tremendous. Every time I watch him play for the last couple of years, I'm like, how is he not getting more carries? It just blows my mind. Uh, this team is extremely solid with him at the tailback position. So I, I would, but I just don't think he'll get enough carries to do it unless he uh, has a big run. BetMGM doesn't have the props up right now, but I saw it another uh, profitable or not prof prominent sports book. I should say James James Cook was plus 120 anytime TD score. To me, I, I would love a bet like that. This guy, you mentioned how dynamic he is as a runner, also elite as a pass catcher. Uh, if they get him the football, he does really good things for them. Stetson Bennett, we talked about him and his running ability. 13 and a half rushing yards for Stetson Bennett. Do you think he'll be running for his life in this game? Or maybe they use him on some design runs because he is a pretty good athlete. No, I, I like him over 13 and a half. I think he'll get a couple opportunities. Now it's going to be tougher against this Alabama defense because they're far faster than obviously what Cincinnati is defensively. So that'll be the big challenge for him in this one. But to me, uh, it'll be interesting to see. That's a fairly low number when you look at it. So I think Stetson Bennett could get there on that one. Well, Stetson Bennett through the air, his passing yards prop, 244 and a half, while Bryce Young is at 313 and a half. What's your read on how the passing games work for both of these teams on Monday night? You know, I, I think uh, Bryce Young over two and a half. I would take the over at plus 130. I would take for the touchdown passes. Yeah, and Bennett over also in terms of passing yardage. 313 is a good number. I think it's going to be close there. Bennett, same thing. I, I wouldn't touch the total on his number either, but the quarterbacks on the t passing touchdowns, Bennett, I wouldn't say as confidently, but the plus 130 on Bryce Young, you know, they're, they're, they're going to be some opportunities to throw the ball here for this team, and especially if they're trailing even better, maybe they get a late touchdown. I don't know, but I, I think Young on that one, I would look at the over. The receiving yards prop to me is very interesting. Jamison Williams, Alabama's number one wide receiver, especially now that John Mechie is out his prop, 112 and a half, Amal, catches six and a half catches. Is his, that's, I mean, that's a lot of yards, but they're going to go to him quite often, you'd imagine, at least with John Mechie out of this game. Well, I, I think, you know, you look at it, he had, what, 184 or something like that the first time around? He, uh, it's about like 300 with how fast he was running by yeah, those guys. exactly. I mean, to me, when you look at it, I, I think it's going to be critical for him to have a big game if Alabama's going to have a chance to win. If he doesn't have a big game, I think it's going to be tougher for them to win the, the game unless they run the ball the way they did against uh, Cincinnati, which uh, will, remains to be seen if they can do that. But Williams was outstanding in the SEC title game, 184 yards on seven catches. 
He had 75 catches this year in 14 games. He still wound up with seven catches against Cincinnati. So to me, he's a guy that's going to be fed the ball. And Femi, I, I would look at the over six and a half. If you go back on his last seven games, he's had at least six catches six times. Yeah, that's really impressive stuff. The one that interests me here, and I want to get your thoughts, Brock Bowers, the freshman tight end who's going to be absolutely amazing on the next level. His prop, 66.5 receiving yards, 4.5 catches. Well, in the SEC title game, he had 10 catches for 139 and a touchdown. I'm interested in Brock Bowers' overs because I don't think anybody in the country can cover that kid. No, I would agree with you. I mean, this guy is going to be able to – do what he wants. He, he's unbelievable. Even though Alabama matches up well with most tight ends, he's the difference maker. Good speed, good size, and really great hands. Great run after the catch for a tight end. Really difficult to bring down. Yeah, Does he remind you of anybody as a tight end? Because, I mean, people throw out the, any good tight end who's young, they throw out Gronkowski or Kelsey or whatever, but I, I, he's, he's so good after the catch. They say Gronkowski because they don't know anybody else, but the reality yeah. <laughs> of it is I don't think so. I think he's unique. He's, he, to me, he's thicker and bigger than Kelsey in that sense. Mm -hmm. And Kelsey, to me, is like a bigger wide receiver where Gronk is a true tight end. I think Bowers is kind of a hybrid in between. Almost reminds me a bit of an H-back, but yeah. really just terrific in terms of his ability to get open. Yeah, no, he's really good after the catch. When you watch him play, it's like, wow, this kid's a freshman. How does he have two years of yeah. eligibility left at that Georgia program? But he will be a name that you'll be hearing about quite a bit in the broadcast on Monday night and, of course, going forward here throughout the rest of his career. On the other side, we'll talk a little college hoops. I know I'm all sweating out some plays. So Eric Haslam of Haslametrics will join the show as we break down today's card. It is Betting Across America here on Visa, the Sports Betting Network. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This is Betting Across America on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. BetMGM welcomes you with a special offer on the College Football National Championship. Simply place a $10 money line wager on the game, and if either team scores a touchdown, you'll win $200 in free bets regardless of your bet's outcome. Just use bonus code VEASAN200 when you make your first bet. Enjoy the college championship like never before and earn M-Life rewards that you can redeem at any MGM resort. Download the app or go to BetMGM.com and use bonus code VEASAN200 to win $200 in free bets if either team scores a touchdown. 
touchdown in the national championship. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Mississippi and Nevada. It is Betting Across America, presented by BetMGM. Femi Abebefe alongside Amal Shah here in the VEASAN studios at the South Point Hotel and Casino. We're watching college football going on, the national title game in the FCS. Right now, North Dakota State leads at 14-0 over Montana State. We'll get you up to date on that game all throughout the show. But we have our first guest joining us. He is Eric Haslam of Haslam Metrics joining the show, HaslamMetrics.com, to talk all things college hoops here. Eric, thanks for joining us here on this Saturday in January. Uh, Want to get into the games to start off here, but first, I got to ask you about this Purdue team. They're taking on Penn State. BetMGM has Purdue 8-1 to one to win the national title. Where are you at with the Boilermakers? Well, the Boilermakers have definitely delivered far more than any of us really kind of expected. I think a lot of people had them. You know, you're talking about a top five, top ten team, but they were just came out of the gates. <clears throat> just unbelievable how they came out of the gates. I think they've cooled off a little bit now, and I mean, I guess if you can call them cooled off, they're still 12 and two. Um, but my site places them at 354th in, in positive momentum, and that makes it sound terrible. But that is just a testament to how great, how dominant they were out of the gates. Still a very, very powerful team. I think that Purdue has exactly all the, the characteristics that you want out of a team that's going to be a Final Four team. You have the big guys inside with with Williams and Edie. You have Jaden Ivey being that 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 superstar who can really light up at any given point. And then you have a team of quality shooters. And I think you need all those all those characteristics in order to go far. And so I think Purdue has a really good shot to go to the Final Four this year still. Eric, I want to ask you about a team that's really kind of surprising some people in the SEC. Maybe they didn't have them as highly rated coming in is Auburn. Uh, Jabari Smith's been unbelievable in terms of what he's been able to do. Potential number one overall pick. How far do you think this team can go? Bruce Pearl squad, obviously, with Kessler in the middle blocking shots. I think, I think they're a dangerous team. I, I have them just kind of potentially as the second best team in the SEC behind Kentucky. Yeah, right now my analytics love Auburn right now. For me, I have them as the number one SEC team. They're actually number two per Haslametrics.com. The only team that's ahead of them in my analytics is Baylor. And it's, a, it's you know, a team you keep waiting to see if they're actually going to kind of, you know, I, we talked about, you know, uh, Purdue overperforming. Oh, my God, I, Auburn has really overperformed. Um, all five of their last games on my site, I, what I do is on my site is whenever a game occurs, you have an expectation, and then you have an actual result, and then you get a game efficiency score. For Auburn, all five of their last games have received a positive rating. They're 31st in the, com- uh, in the, in the country in my positive momentum rating out there. So you look at them and say they're playing their best basketball right now, and you wonder, are they ever going to probably cool off and kind of come back a little bit, take a step back? Maybe today's the start of that. They're playing a Florida team. Um, that has a bunch of niche scores. This is a team that scores well off the offensive glass, scores great off of turnovers. Um, but, you know, the thing about Auburn is there's another rating on my site called consistency. And when you look at what Auburn has done, they have been reasonably consistent throughout the year. They're 40th in the country in that rating as well, which means they don't have this all over the place kind of thing. I think of a team like Villanova that's going to really play great one night and all of a sudden the next night they're just kind of like, what's just happened there? They just got blown out. They're all over the place. Auburn has been very consistent. So I keep wondering if they're ever going to like take that step back, have that bad game that we're all expecting them to have. 
but based on their consistency, you you expect kind of this train to keep going for them, and they've been playing fantastic. We're speaking with Eric Haslam, college basketball handicapper at HaslamMetrics.com here on Betting Across America. Eric, the game of the day, at least in my opinion, Kansas and Texas Tech, the Jayhawks, four-and-a-half-point favorites in Lubbock with a total at 138-and-a-half. But before we get into that game, I want to ask you about this Texas Tech Raider Raiders team because here they are. Chris Beard is now in Texas, but they're still having that identity of defensive prowess here. What do you think about Texas Tech in this spot with a chance to get a pretty big upset victory here on road against a quality Kansas team? Well, I can tell you at this point that our site right now gauges this one to be a Kansas win by approximately, I would say, a 73-69 to 69 score. Um, it's, it's definitely one of the great games of the day. If you're looking for all the great games, just turn to ESPN2 today. They, they, they got four of them that are fantastic. Um, this is one of my three-and-a-half-star games of the day. There's three, there's three of them. This one, BYU-St. Mary's. And I think the other one is the sleeper game, which is Syracuse and Wake Forest. But anyways, talking about um, Texas Tech, you know, my, my opinion, the jury's still out on Texas Tech. And I, I fear they're a little bit of a paper tiger similar to Michigan or in Iowa. And I say that because their best four rated performances this year have come against teams that are 245th in my ratings or worse. They're 316th in consistency. And all those games that they've played in, against those, in those great performances have been on their home court. So they get a home court game today. But, you know, it's kind of um, a little bit of a mirage because when you beat up on all these lower-level teams at home in these bye games, it makes you look really good at home. I don't know if they have the chops to take down a Kansas today. It'll be very interesting to see. I think Texas Tech needs one of these nice wins. Very similar like a Michigan team who at one point, I remember last week, was 7-0 and against teams outside my top 75. They were 0-5 against teams in my top 75. I think Texas Tech needs to start accumulating big wins, and I think it starts today if they can knock off Kansas. I like your assessment of Texas Tech. I tend to agree with you, and you put them in a similar vein as Michigan, which I would agree with as well. You mentioned a game that I'm looking forward to in Winston-Salem today, this afternoon, going at 2 Eastern, 11 Pacific time. Deeks, a team that I think was flying under the radar, done a really nice job this year, had a couple of tough losses on the road at Louisville, down at the Watsco Center, down in the Gables. But I like them against Syracuse. Jim Beheim. I know he's going to complain when he goes 12-28 and 28, why he's not in the tournament. But you might want to win a game and you might want to play some defense. My God, you're going to give up a half a hundred to uh, Laranaga squad? Come on, they couldn't score 50 in an open gym. Yeah, Wake Forest has been another team that's just uh, uh, been just a, just a you know, godsend this year to, this, to the ACC when they really need it the most. They're 43rd in the country right now. Uh, yeah, I think that's going to be a really good one. I think that's been identified as a game. I think Wake Forest by four and a half in that one. Uh, two teams, it's going to be a lot of fun. Two teams slightly up-tempo, top 25 offenses. The defenses are not great. I think that uh, uh, makes it a little bit more fun sometimes when the defenses aren't great. Syracuse is 206 in defensive efficiency. Um, Syracuse also not so great on the road. I think Wake Forest has an 86th in the country in home court rating. I like Wake Forest in that one. We got a game tipping off at 11 in the morning Pacific time, 2 o'clock Eastern between Texas and Oklahoma State. This line opened 3.5 in favor of the Longhorns. Now it's down to 2.5 at BetMGM, total of 128.5. But I'm looking at the Cowboys' schedule. They've lost four out of five games, but they're being bet. Do you think this is a good spot for Oklahoma State at home in Stillwater? Yeah, I don't know because I look at Oklahoma State in their last five performances and four of them have received negative ratings. Some of those have, you know, it goes a while back. I think you're going there five games ago was the first day of December. So as is the case with a lot of teams, Oklahoma State hasn't played that many games in the last, say, five or six weeks. So that'll be an interesting one as well. 
Uh, Texas really bringing a lot of momentum into this one. Oklahoma State, not so much. I don't quite see where people are going with the Oklahoma State line on that one, but I think Texas is now starting to find their footing. They're starting to go in the right direction. I think getting Dylan DeSue back is a big, big help. This is a team that's sixth in the country in defensive efficiency. I'm still sticking with Texas on that one. Eric, to me, you mentioned a game earlier also, BYU and St. Mary's. I think a very under-the-radar game tonight in Provo. I think it's going to be a tough one. I don't like this Gales team as much as I have in years past. Lack of consistency from the offensive end, from my perspective. Also, we know defensively they'll be solid. But uh, you look at BYU, once again, very solid. They're laying three and a half in this game. I like the Cougars in Provo at the Marriott Center. Yeah, BYU, that's going to be an interesting one as well. I think that's going to be a very, very close game. I think we've got that one right now by BYU by about one and a half. I think we're looking at the the estimated final score being, of course, being in the 60s, BYU with a 65-63 advantage. Um, but two teams that really kind of rely on that defensive end of the ball. Not to say their offenses are terrible, I think, but, but BYU is just kind of um, – I would say regressed a little bit over the last few weeks. And a lot of that is due to the injuries that they've had on the, on the interior, but yes, great, great defenses. Um, St. Mary's right now, 18th in the country in defensive efficiency, BYU 44th. Um, both of those defenses have advantages over the offenses on both end of the, ends of the court. Um, really good teams. Either way, I, it's re- really close. You're talking about being separated by less than a basket. Um, I, the, the analytics right now, as I said, are still going with BYU in that one with holding the home court advantage, but St. Mary's is the higher ranked team for me. St. Mary's 35th and BYU 48. He is Eric Haslam of HaslamMetrics.com talking all things college basketball. Appreciate you joining us here, Eric, and best of luck the rest of the day. Thanks, guys. Thank you. All right. On the other side, Ben Fox, VEASAN VP of Digital Content, will join us to talk all things New York. Welcome to the betting fun. We'll discuss it here, hour number two, at the top of the hour on the other side. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER.